Hi, my name is Alad Gross. Welcome to the Alad Pod, an online, uncensored town hall program designed to bring our government back to you. Every episode is a recording of our live show with special guests and questions asked by audience members like you. Today, I speak with two county clerks and two of the best in the business. From Boone County, Brianna Lennon. From Greene County, Shane Scheller. We talk about elections in Missouri, where they're going, and some potential innovations for us to consider into the future. Thank you both for coming. I really appreciate you taking time out of, I'm sure, what is a very busy schedule for you all to answer questions from folks. We have a lot of folks who are watching from uh, Pettis County right now, which is great, great county. So not either one of your counties. I'm sure all of you think that your counties are the best ones, but Pettis County is pretty darn good. So good uh, clerk, Nick Lestrada. There you go. See, look, there's a lot of great clerks all around the state who are working really hard in all of this, and a lot of things have changed certainly for this year, given what's been happening uh, with the coronavirus and so many other things. So uh, hopefully we'll get to talk a bit about that, too. But I was hoping to give you both time, uh, and maybe starting with Brianna, if you'd like to introduce yourself a bit um, and tell folks what you all do as uh, clerks in your own jurisdictions. Sure. So um, thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Brianna Lennon. I am the clerk in Boone County. We handle all of the election processes and elections administration from voter registration to recruiting election judges, printing ballots, setting up the polling places, everything related to the election is in our office. Uh, We also do a variety of other county uh, administerial tasks. So we're also the clerk of the county commission, which means we're in charge of keeping all the minutes for the county commission meetings. We also are in charge of local records Uh, notary commissions, liquor licenses, a whole host of different things that kind of fall into the category of the county clerk's office. Mm -hmm. So um, we've been preparing for the November election since even before the August election. And uh, with today being the first day of absentee voting, we had just about 9,000 people, a little over 9,000 people request their absentee ballots by mail already. And we had about 189 people come into the office today to vote absentee. So we are very much in the throes of preparing for uh, what's going to happen in November. And so far, it's going very well. Wow. Is that is that a record for folks who've been asking for absentee ballots? Yes. Wow. 9,000? Um, actually, by the time we finished entering today, I think we hit about 10,000. <laughs> so uh, it's more than... It's about, it's almost double what we had for all of the November 2016 cycle. Yeah. By the first day of absentee for this election. So I anticipate having um, probably even double that by the Mm -hmm. time we get to the end of the absentee voting period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Shane, if you could introduce yourself. 
Yes, Shane Schiller, Green County, and uh, very similar in that our county does administrative duties here as well. Um, I think maybe one difference is we do payroll here in Green County, which a number of county clerks do. And then we also actually have an archives division that's part of the office, and so we keep um, and retain the records both permanently and some are not necessarily to be retained permanently. But we keep them on behalf of all the county offices and of course the county commission. And so our records go back to the early 1830s when this county was formed. And a lot of people don't know is that at that time, Green County was a actually met Crawford County. If you know where Crawford County is at, mm -hmm. they're outside of St. Louis. Um, it was a much bigger county then. So we have the records going back to that time period until each county began to form on its own and then it began to keep its own records. So that's a little bit of a difference there in terms of, of one rule that, that Green County has in terms of record keeping. Um, and then Again, very similar to Brianna here in Green County. We um, had well over 9,000 requests um, to have their ballots mailed to them. We had just about twice the amount, not quite, that came to vote in person absentee today. But we're certainly uh, prepared for that and ready for that and looking forward to voters that need to vote before the day of the election to take advantage of that opportunity, either if they qualify for an absentee reason or if they want to have that ballot mailed to them through the mail ballot option. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, because there's the two options this year. There's the absentee ballot, which is something that we've seen for a long time. And then there's the new mail-in ballot, which has to be mailed back in. Um, but so so right now, for, for the absentee voting that has started, uh, that means folks can come in right, well, not right now, but during normal working hours and, and vote, correct? Yeah, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I know it's a question that they want to know where the county seat is for Green Counties in Southwest Missouri. So Springfield is the seat that the county resides, that the um, historic courthouse resides in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Are, are there, um, I guess, right. So, so right now, I guess for Green County, um, it, are there multiple sites that folks can go to, to vote absentee in person or is there just the one? We have, um, actually, when I became a county clerk, all the absentee voting occurred here in the courthouse. We actually have an election center, which is actually better parking, more accessible. And so that's one of the changes I made when I became county clerk. So they can vote the election center. They can do it here at the historic courthouse as well. But we're literally right in the center of Greene County. And so we do do center polling locations on election day. So we have four locations where people, regardless of where you're registered at, you can go vote there on election day. But currently, we don't have any um, locations outside of Greene County, um, outside of the city of Springfield in our office, because right now, it just would not work in terms of what we're doing. But I hope one day, the legislature will look at doing vote centers. That's something mm -hmm. that I've been an advocate for that would allow us to be able to do that more easily than what we can do now. But that, of course, would you would have to have no excuse voting, some of those things to really make that work well. Right, right. Is that the same for, for Boone County right now, too? So we are located, um, Boone County has a whole government center that almost all of the elected officials are in. So we're not, we're across the courtyard from the courthouse, mm. but we don't have a standalone election center. We have a an annex where we have all of our voting equipment, but... Um, Unfortunately, we can't 
dedicate a space just to um, elections just yet at this point. So people do come into our office, but we have a, a pretty good setup for flow so that people can come in. Parking is a challenge, uh, but we are going to be starting next week. Um, I'm moving some of our staff down to the dock area on one of the streets. And it's basically a garage uh, with a tent so that we can do curbside voting easier because that's become very popular where people have uh, whether they want to vote the actual ballot or they just want to drop off their ballot. Mm -hmm. uh, we're located on the second floor, so it just makes more sense for us to have a physical presence downstairs. So we will be doing that starting next week. Uh, and people can still come into our office on the second floor to vote, but um, if they don't want to come into the building, they don't have to. Mm -hmm. And then we will be doing satellite locations. We've partnered with the um, Columbia Public Library to utilize their bookmobile. And that bookmobile will become our absentee satellite bus. I think we're calling it the ballot bus. Okay. And uh, we'll have that on four of the Saturdays in October. Um, and then we'll have two central polling locations on election day. We've got uh, our normal one at the government center, and then we've got Mizzou Arena for um, this election. Uh-huh. And so for, for the central polling places, and I think, Shane, you mentioned that too, that means that it doesn't matter what neighborhood you're living in or anything else, you can go there to vote, correct? That's exactly right, yes. Okay. So, yeah. and we have um, two at our hospitals, and so that works out really well, as you can imagine, when somebody, you know, has like a 12 or 13-hour shift or someone has a loved one that's there, um, and of course, for those in the hospital. And then we also have it at the City Utilities Bus Transit Center, so if you don't have, for example, um, a car to be able to drive to your polling location, but you normally ride the bus route, you can jump on the bus, go to the bus transit center, vote, and then go back home um, that day. And then we also have it at Missouri State University there on their campus as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know, I know some counties, uh, I know St. Louis County, for example, they moved to allowing folks to go to whatever polling place. And part of that was so if you saw a long line and didn't feel comfortable standing in it, uh, that you could just go elsewhere. Most people, it seemed like, here in, in the county, uh, I'm on the St. Louis side, for those of you who are watching now, uh, but it, it seemed like here uh, most folks chose to go to their normal polling place, um, and they decided to do that anyway, which was interesting. Some people took advantage of that, but not too many. Um, but, it's, I mean, it's a good option, especially when some of those lines get a little out of hand. So We've had a good response at our center polling locations. Yeah. It's, it's went really well. That's great. Yeah. Brianna, I want to, the ballot bus. So is this thing like going around and I mean, is it mobile or is it is it like a food truck where it's parking somewhere and you have to go find it? Or is it like going into neighborhoods to go say, hey, we, if you want to vote? we are parking. We're parking in school parking lots. So okay. it's like a food truck. And then people will come up and they can either drop off their ballot if they've already gotten it mailed to them uh -huh. or we will have one of our voting machines on the bus so that they can vote there, too. Wow, that's pretty fun. Um, we'll see. Yeah, is there like a Twitter account that people can like follow where where the ballot bus is going? Well, I will be at all of them, so I'll, I'll probably okay. be tweeting from it. Okay, so 
<laughs> follow Brianna on Twitter. That way you'll know where the ballot bus is going to be. That's pretty great. Why, why did you decide to do that? I mean, I've actually heard a lot of folks talk about something like that, but I'm wondering like what, what made you decide that this would be something you wanted to do? We were just getting so many phone calls about drop boxes and mm-hmm. how they wanted drop boxes and we can't have drop boxes. So in light of the fact that we can't have drop boxes, I was trying to think of ways to accommodate that and still be able to um, get to people where they already were. Mm-hmm. So uh, part of the idea was that uh, we wanted to, to give people a place to drop off their ballots that was close to where they were already living. And then the secondary part is that lots of people are interested in in-person absentee, but we're finding that a lot of people are not aware of what in-person absentee actually is. So if we can um, educate people on that and kind of introduce them to that concept, mm-hmm. if they're eligible to vote absentee and they can do this, then uh, it will help alleviate how many people are coming on election day. And that helps for uh, a variety of reasons, but especially in the time of COVID-19 when we're worried about social distancing and the yeah. size of our polling places uh, alleviating the number of people showing up on election day and allowing them to use an alternative method is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned it a little bit, um, in Missouri for the absentee voting, uh, you, you need to have an excuse to vote absentee. The same is not true for this mail-in voting, uh, where uh, you have to mail that one in the absentee, you can you know do it in person or you can drop it off. Uh, but the mail in, you don't need an excuse. So that's like the major differences. Um, just just I guess the uh, from from that position. Um, yeah, I, for twenty twenty. Right, right, right. And then mail. I mean, we've had mail in voting in the statute for some time, but it's not been used exactly in this way. It's been you know different applications. So. Um, is, I know, I know there, there was some talk about the drop boxes and you're, we can't have drop boxes despite us having, we actually physically have them. We can't use them. Could you talk a bit about why we can't use them? That was based upon guidance that came from the secretary of state's mm-hmm. office after the legislature passed Senate bill 631. And you'd mentioned that the mail-in ballot, it has to be currently mailed through U.S. Postal Service. Now, there is a lawsuit that was filed last Friday that is challenging that, asking that it could be dropped off. And so we're waiting for that lawsuit to be settled to see if we get any guidance on whether or not that can happen. Unfortunately, we probably won't know anything either way Mm -hmm. until probably mid-October at this point, um, just the way that the case will be tried. And so because of that, there was a concern that some people may come to the drop-off box, drop off a mail-in ballot, and that it would not be eligible because it was not mailed through the Postal Service. And so, um, you know, certainly that was something that um, we're taking our guidance from, from the Secretary of State, um, and that, you know, the legislature worked hard. They worked late into the night, you know, as, as they prepared that bill. But that was one of the things I think— I would see as probably potential oversight. I don't think it was, you know, that had they had more time to think about it, they might have looked at that a little bit differently. But that's what we have currently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the lawsuits are 
interesting. I mean, I am a lawyer, so I sue people sometimes, but uh, <laughs> not to take away from that at all. But I mean, you know, having having and there's there's been a number that have been filed uh, with respect to Missouri and other states too. Uh, but how? I mean, how? <laughs> How much pressure does that put on you all? Because, I mean, it sounds like, depending on how some of these go, uh, you might have to change some of the practice, whatever might be happening. Something might change all of a sudden, kind of pretty close to the actual election date. Um, And especially given this year where it seems like a lot of folks are interested in in voting absentee or maybe doing an early absentee. Um, I mean, has, has that dynamic... I mean, it's always there, but has that dynamic changed at all this year in particular? To either I, so, and this may just be uh, because I feel like I'm seeing so many other of our colleagues in other states go through so much. Like, mm-hmm. we're not Wisconsin, where people are being told, stop sending absentee ballots. In the scale of things, of what the litigation that's happening I feel like impacts the decisions that I'm making in Boone County, it's actually very minimal. Mm-hmm. If, if these come out and we end up having expanded ways to do things, it doesn't add that much to the way that I've already planned things out. We have, we got a new, um, I worked with our local post office to get a new collection box installed outside of our office. So on one of the entrances to the Boone County Government Center, we have a new Um, mail collection box and the post office has allowed us to designate that box and then one of the box at the drive-through where they have the downtown location the centrally located post office has three boxes outside as a drive-through lane both of those now have large signs on them that say ballot drop-off box so Mm -hmm. the post office has kind of filled that role for us um We have a drop-off box that the collector's office uses on the other side of our building. So if that were something where all of a sudden somebody allowed us to use a drop-box, that easily becomes our drop-box. And it's got cameras on it and is a very secure uh, box because that's where tax collection payments are going. Mm -hmm. So just in terms of kind of how bad it could be for what we've had to wait on, we haven't had to wait on printing a ballot. We haven't had to wait on... Uh, what kind of valid ideas out there, which have all been passed things that have impacted uh, elections administration through litigation. So in my mind, the scale of this is pretty minimal when it comes to the decisions that I have to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shane may have a different view. <laughs> no, I mean, we had a mailbox that's literally right outside our office here as you walk in. So that was already there from the Postal Service. And so certainly we have what I would consider, and I don't know if it's the same in Boone, but if you're in Greene County and you drop your ballot off anywhere in Greene County, um, it's almost a one-day turnaround here in our county in terms of when the voter sends their ballot back. Now, if they're outside the county, I can't account for that, but we have good turnaround times in terms of our response. Um, Now, we're still encouraging people, you know, don't wait, you know, no less than seven days because we know things can happen that could potentially, um, you know, cause that ballot. For example, if it comes back without the signature or if it comes back without the notary and the notary is required, um, we will contact the voter. I noticed one of the questions was, you know, how do I confirm if, if my vote was counted? Certainly, 
um, you can always contact our office. We will let you know. Now, we're working on getting a ballot tracking system that uh, will help the ballot, will help the voter be able to track that ballot better. Um, I think Brianna is a little bit ahead of us in that area. Um, kudos to her on that for that part. Um, you know, that's she. I think one of the things that uh, um, we both had predecessors who did great things, and her predecessor um, did some things that have really lended itself to what she's doing. Now, I will tell you, I have reached out to City Utilities in the past to see if we can get a bus that they use because mm-hmm. they do the bus transportation. We just weren't quite able to get there in this past year because um, I've reached out to our Office of Emergency Management and said, hey, if we had a bus during you know voting time, you could use it when you're responding to emergency. So we're thinking on that on that uh, path. But Brianna, her credit got there well ahead of us. So <laughs> it's great to work with someone who has those innovative thoughts and ideas. So yeah. although I will say we were the first county to have central polling locations outside of the courthouse expanded. So we're proud of that here in Green County. That's true. I really I really like how many central locations you have. I wish that I wish that we could come up with a way to do four of them because it would be extremely helpful, I think. It, it does make a difference. People really appreciate it. I like this kind of county competition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. There's people who are commenting so we can see the questions and everything, but, uh, you know, they're jealous of this ballot bus, too, in St. Louis. They really want that. And so St. Louis County does do satellite locations. They yes. do a lot of satellite locations leading up to the election. Absolutely, yeah. Um, there, there are quite a few. And we did have, for those of you who have not watched, we did have Eric Fay on from St. Louis County. Um, and he did talk about one of the, the questions here was about the mail um, in St. Louis. Uh, I'm not sure about St. Louis City, but I know in St. Louis County, uh, they've actually got a deal with a, a lot of the, the, well, the post office in general. Um, where ballots are essentially being intercepted so that they can be picked up close to the election. Now, you don't want to do that and don't test it, but they are taking those ballots that are being mailed and they are putting them in, in a separate section so that they can be picked up by uh, uh, election officials much more quickly. Um, so that is something. But, yeah, I would, I would highly recommend if you are in the St. Louis area and watching, great, thank you for doing that. Uh, but Eric Fays uh, was, a, was a really good uh, podcast on this too, so um, I'll put the link there in the in the comments for you all to see it. And, um, and if I add yeah, please. That, um, one of the things I do want to say regarding, I think Brianna would say this: our post offices, we've had a good working relationship with them for years. They do reach out. I mean, I realize they have their challenges. There are times things don't go well, but I will say that you know we feel confident that especially if you're here in our county they're going to take good care of you now out of state i can't account for that but we have fairly conscientious people that work in our state in our midwest region that are concerned about ballots and making sure they get back to our offices on time right right yeah i think a lot of a lot of folks are working very hard on that um but yeah it is a benefit to getting this process started early so if you're watching now you're doing the right thing um and thank you for doing that um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the questions I think was just around the integrity of the elections. Cause you know, there's a lot of talk now about, oh, early voting or mail-in voting is bad or it's good. And everybody's got a different opinion on it. Um, so I guess in terms of, uh, I guess just talking about like the process in how that vote 
from, you know, if you're putting in the mail or you're delivering it to your offices, where that ballot goes and how you make sure that that vote is counted. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the biggest misconceptions um, that I get asked anytime Mm -hmm. uh, somebody's talking about absentee. There's always that rumor floating around that we don't count absentees unless the election is closed or we're throwing out these absentees if something is wrong with them. No ballot ever gets thrown out. Every ballot is always accounted for, and they all get processed. And then if there is a reason to reject them because somebody forgets to have it notarized or they need to sign it, those rejections go into a different um, category. But it doesn't mean that we didn't acknowledge that we got them or that we didn't receive them or do something with them. So when those ballots come back, they get uh, logged in. So every ballot that goes out gets assigned to a voter's record. When it comes back, it gets locked back into that voter's record so that we have a chain of custody of that ballot existing going out, existing coming back, and then we store it in a locked location until we can start processing the ballots five days before the election. So on the Thursday before the election, we have bipartisan teams start coming into our office. They review the envelope and make sure that it's all complete. We have ballot manifests that they're checking off to make sure that every ballot they have is accounted for in the list of ballots we know we've received. They separate the envelope from the ballot itself. Those ballots are then all kept locked up until we can start tabulating them on our high-speed tabulator on election day. Mm. So that's that's the process once it gets back to our office to make sure that it's always accounted for, that bipartisan teams are working on these, and that they are counted and included in our results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the process similar in Greene County? Oh, I would say yeah. she said it better than I could say it in terms of <laughs> making it more more succinct than I would say it. But yes, yeah. that's important. People know it is done with bipartisan teams. If there's ever a question, they make the final decision, mm-hmm. not the office. And so that's um, extremely important. And like I said, we reach out. If, and that's why we want people to mail them back as quickly as possible. So if there is an issue we can have time for the voter to be able to resolve that. But if we get that within the last two to three days of election, unless they can come in person and resolve that, it gets a lot harder on behalf of the voter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the biggest reason, like for the August 2020 election, the biggest reason for why we had to reject them was for them coming in late. So mm-hmm. the earlier you can do this, the better. If you're already knowing you're going to vote by mail, request it early and send it back early. Yeah. Well. Read my mind because I was about to ask. So, uh, when it comes to the ballots uh, and rejections, so obviously late is one and the biggest one. But what are other? Are there any other common ones, or are they all kind of just like one-off situations? But are there other common reasons why a ballot may be rejected? I mean, it's going to be lack of notary. Mm-hmm. Signature does not match, and the voter has not come in to update that signature, um, and the bipartisan team says it doesn't match, or there's an address issue they send back with a different address than the registered at, and the ballot they voted is different than what they should be voting, and so then that has to be resolved. Now we try to resolve that when they apply, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and update their address then. But there are occasions where a voter is going to put a different address and they mail it back. And, and if they got a ballot that does not fit that address, then that's an issue that has to be resolved. Those, and that's 
probably the least of them. It's mostly going to be needs a notary, did not get the notary. And sometimes, frankly, it's not as they, and this, I think, amazes all of us. And that is, there's no signature, even though it's notarized. And so we always kind of scratch our head. We mm-hmm. don't know that happens, but that happens too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. Cause you just did the hard part. <laughs> wait. <laughs> uh, wait. So what happens? Okay. So you've got a signature. Cause this is interesting. So you got a signature and the bipartisan team is looking at this thing to see if it matches. What happens if the, the team disagrees with one another? I've had one instance where they've asked me, Mm-hmm. And I give, I gave him my input on it, but that's that's only happened one time. Okay. Yeah, and is it, it what, what's the process? So if somebody, because uh, I, I saw somebody else talking about this earlier today, um, who was talking about, you know, I mean, this happens with folks, but your signature changes over time, and mm-hmm. is is there? I guess right now the way to update it, there is a way to update it. Is it to come in in person and do it, or is there another way for folks to update their signature? So, I mean, we keep every piece of um, documentation that a voter signs. So if you Mm -hmm. fill out a new voter registration form or a change of address, we even keep the poll pad signatures when people sign in to vote. Mm-hmm. So we, we keep every possible thing so that we have an evolution of the signature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if someone does want to update it, they just need to fill out a um, voter registration form and at least put some identifying information on it so that we know who it belongs to. Uh, and they can make a little note on it that says, I'm just trying to update my signature. It doesn't happen very often because for the most part, especially since we have the poll pad signatures, it. Mm-hmm. We've got pretty recent ones, even if they're on poll pads. You'd be surprised at how many, if you compare the voter uh, registration, even if it was handwritten 10 years ago, still pretty much looks like the poll pad signature over time. I mean, you yeah. can really see the evolution, but it's still a very similar signature. Yeah. Is it? Is it like, so it, are those used when there is some kind of a question or, or is it, do you have like a file on the voter that has all these different, I can't imagine that, but maybe, I mean, with oh, all no, the we, we do, we have a file, really? like every voter record has every image that's ever been tied to it. So some yeah. of our voters have six or seven images tied to them. Wow. It's captured. Yeah. Oh, I have to say one of the things, I know you had Eric Fay on a few weeks ago, but mm-hmm. to his credit, um, he and his team did a lot of uh, research in terms of signature verification mm-hmm. software and training. And so that's something that uh, he's helped lead on in our association here in the past couple of years. And I've certainly um, have agreed with him that we can do better in terms of, you know, the notary's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, to be frank, the notary really isn't the final step on behalf of the voter. And that's something that as we continue to visit the legislature, I try to, I think Brandon's too, we try to educate them the fact that um, when the notary doesn't do their job, there's still a process here in our office where we're trying on behalf of the voter to make sure that that ballot was voted by them and when we receive it. And part of that is signature verification because when a notary meets someone, yes, they show their ID, but they have no information on the signature. They are just 
verified based upon the ID they're given that that person is who they say they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you get signature verification software and, and training, as Brianna mentioned, then a trained eye can look at that and say, well, yeah, this may be, you know, someone who's been a registered voter for 30 years, but there's certain things we know within this that says it is that voter. And mm-hmm. that's something I think we have to continue to improve on as a state on behalf of the voter. Yeah. And I guess my point is, you know, for example, in one state, you know, the political operatives became notaries and went and helped people fill out their ballots. And mm-hmm. so it's not always what people think it is. But boy, if you get trained on signature verification and have the software to help back that up, that, in my opinion, is is a secure, more secure way on behalf of the voter than just the notary when the notary process mm-hmm. can be compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. It's, it's, I mean, you know, there's a whole, (laughs) whole conversation about what is election security right now, but, uh, yeah, no, that's, um, that's, I mean, it's very important to do it. Yeah. Because we have a lot of people who want the notary. We understand that, but there's more beyond the notary that protects the voter than just the notary. And I think a lot of people think once the notary, once it's notarized, it's done. And we actually do more based upon the statutes to make sure that voter and their ballot is protected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. I mean, there's been some some trouble depending on where you are finding a notary, and sometimes you know, I mean, especially if you're kind of waiting for a while before seeking out mm-hmm. one, it can be very very difficult at that point. But um, yeah, some of the resources that we put out there actually, there's some efforts to connect folks to volunteer notaries. I know a lot of folks have been volunteering to become one. Um, and so we're hoping to have some folks on to talk about that process too, but, um, I'll put some links to some of those resources out there for those of you who are watching and do need a notary. Um, I mean, I, I know I got something notarized not too long ago and because a lot of the bank branches are closed depending on where you are, there's long lines for them sometimes. And I, I wasn't even trying to do it for, for the vote. Um, so yeah, if you're in that boat, uh, definitely feel you. And, uh, we've got some folks who can hopefully help wherever you are. So um, and then the Secretary of State, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Secretary of State's website has a list of notaries who are willing to volunteer and to help, too. Is that right? Yes. And that, that's been extremely helpful. We've referred a number of people to it, and they have yeah. um, been able to take advantage of that. Yeah. It's a pretty long list, too, which is great. I'm glad that's out there. Um, you know, one of the... I want to get, I want to get to the excuses because a lot of folks are asking about oh what you know what qualifies as this excuse or what kind of excuses do I need? But one of the situations that can really put somebody into a panic is if they're planning on going in person or they're planning on voting a certain day and they take a test and they test positive for COVID nineteen and now they're they're at home and they really wanted to vote and now they don't know what to do. Maybe it's too late to ask for a mail-in or an absentee ballot. What, what happens for those folks? I mean, they can clearly, assuming it's two weeks out, are you saying more than two weeks out or in after that two week period? Yeah. I'm thinking like if it's closer to the point where it's going to be hard for them to start, you know, the Mm -hmm. mail-in process or the absentee process. I mean, obviously you don't want them to go in person to the polls uh, and you don't want them maybe even going and voting absentee. Cause I mean, you know, these folks have tested positive. So I'm not sure if, if there is a procedure around that 
Um, hopefully it doesn't happen for anybody, but in the event that it does, what, what can those folks do? Well, what we've done is we send bipartisan teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then they very carefully handle that um, in terms of gloves, pens, you know, the envelope, everything that's put in. Um, we've had to do that during the August primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we did, de- and even if they're in quarantine and aren't sure, we have done that on behalf of the voter. Um, and, and sought guidance from our local health department in order to be able to do that properly. Um, and so we certainly will still make sure that voter is able to vote um, when that situation occurs by sending teams to their home or wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming, is there something similar in Boone County for folks? Yeah, we have um, teams that we send out. Um, it's the same teams that we would send out to nursing homes if they need mm-hmm. assistance uh, or if they are uh, unable to leave their house. We did have some instances in August uh, because on Election Day it gets tricky. And so on Election Day um, we had people come to the Boone County Government Center, stayed in their car, and uh, I and a uh, Republican judge went to their car and curbside voted them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's, I guess the best way, if somebody is in that situation, they should just call, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we try to get everybody, um, well, we ask if you're, if you're in that situation, uh, we try to get everybody, on our schedule by that Monday so that Monday morning we can have our team start going out. And so that takes care of everybody up until that Monday. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, you're going to have to call our office directly if you have, um, if you found out. And we did. The people that needed to vote were people that found out at 8 p.m. on Monday night that they tested positive and, you know, in the morning on uh, election day. Yeah. People absolutely, if they test positive, should not be going to polling places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Tuesday, Tuesday is a day has sometimes been criticized in general, despite the the grand history behind it. But that's probably even tougher now with a lot of these labs not reporting stuff until Monday, um, if, especially if it happens on a weekend, um, and it's you know not as quick sometimes too. So there's a long wait for some of that. Um, for the excuses, okay, so the excuses themselves. So I'm, you know, I'm a voter right now, and I know it's a start of absentee voting. Maybe I haven't paid as much attention to all the changes that have been made. Um, I've heard something about these different ballots. So if, um, you know, where I guess right now on the on the request forms themselves. So if you're requesting an absentee form, um, or I'm requesting an, a mail-in ballot. Um, but on both of those forms, it, it, it describes it, but, um, you know, I, I guess for folks who are, um, you know, wondering like in general, what kind of excuses are allowed for someone to vote absentee? Um, I mean, what, what are those excuses? You know, the most common one probably prior to this year was absent from, the jurisdiction on the day of the election. So people are going to be out of town. As I often joke during major presidential elections, we had more people leave Green County than any other time of the year um, <laughs> during the presidential elections. Uh, then, of course, if you are serving as an election judge, you're not serving in the polling location where you would normally vote. 
Um, for example, if you're incarcerated and have, have not been convicted, um, you may have been charged but not convicted of a felon, you're allowed to vote. Um, people that are in the Safe at Home program um, can also, and of course that's by court order, um, they can vote um, via absentee. And then also for religious reasons, you're allowed to do that. And then the um, reason that other people have voted in the past, which is health-related, was reason number two, and that is if you were confined due to sickness um, and, and or disability and you could not leave your home because of that, you could vote absentee from your home without a notary. And then the legislature added for this year, as mentioned earlier, um, if you're at increased risk for severe illness per the CDC guidelines, um, you can check that reason as well, number seven, and that does not require a notary. And so those um, guidelines would be you're 65 and over, immunocompromised, you have heart disease, lung disease, um, kidney um, disease, all those different um, reasons um, come underneath reason number seven. And so, um, of course, we've seen a number of people that have listed that reason um, as the reason that they're voting absentee um, during this during this election and, of course, in August as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do for folks who are voting and this was uh, part of a question that we got, um, do folks need documentation to prove which excuse they're using? No. OK. Um, and we want to get in that business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask: is there is there some kind of follow up that you all do? I mean, I can't imagine you all have like investigative investigatory staffing set up to check everybody's absentee well, excuse. Elod, you'll appreciate this. Yeah. I've always been a proponent of no excuse absentee voting, uh-huh. and one of the reasons I say is, frankly, I don't want the government asking why. I just want to be. If you're going to allow it, I want to be able to do it. Yeah. So I don't that's I think that's um, important in terms of of that right balance between a government and a citizen. And so if you're going to have a time period to vote before an election, um, frankly, I don't think it's it's the government's business to know why Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to do that. Either allow it or you don't. And I can even live with a notary, but I don't believe I have to have an excuse. But that's my own personal opinion. Not everyone in my party agrees with me on that. Uh huh. Uh, so I'm kind of even in the legislature. I was fine with that. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems like I mean, there's you know the and I think uh, I can't remember one of you mentioned it earlier, but there's this association of you know local election authorities throughout the state. Um, and, you know, there's folks from different parties. I mean, Republican, Democrat are the primary ones out here. We are, but um, but it's it seems like there's a lot of despite you know these these political differences, or at least party differences, there's a lot of agreement that comes from that association on, on what Missouri can or should be doing. Um, have, have you found, I mean, have you, like that, do you think there's an opportunity in Missouri for us to make some of the changes that you think would make elections, uh, you know, either fairer or more efficient or, or more uh, effective for the people who are voting? I, I absolutely think so. It's one of the things that that drew me to the county clerk's office in the first place, because I had been in the secretary of state's office and gotten to see how the county clerks work together. And um, there's there's so many good ideas because uh, we don't just talk to each other in Missouri. We talk to 
colleagues in different states, and we try to glean ideas from places where we see administration working better. Because at the end of the day, when we're doing elections administration, it's logistical planning, it's management. It, I mean, truly, it's a bureaucratic function. So you want to do things that make your job easier and an easier time on voters. And everybody can kind of rally around that idea that we all want to make sure that we're all doing the best job we possibly can and that we're serving voters because that's what our jobs are, is to serve voters. So um, I absolutely think uh, when the Clerks Association comes together and proposes ideas, they uh, are vetted from all sides. And the conversation is always really rich because it's got so many voices in it. And they're not all of one party. They're not all of uh, one experience level. And um, we have a lot of resolutions that come out of the association mm -hmm. that once they get to the point of coming to the floor where the entire association gets to talk about them, really good conversations come up. So if it comes out of the clerks association, I know that I can trust that it's been fully vetted and uh, will help make voting better. Yeah. Yeah. Shane, do you feel the same way? No, I, I absolutely. I mean, a lot of times we don't even know what affiliation other clerks are in the, I mean, because we're interested in what's best for the voter. And there are times we have um, disagreements um, with each other in terms of, of those things. But mm -hmm. I think the thing I like about association is we figure out a way to resolve them. And if we don't, we put it aside until we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm, um, I'm glad that happens uh, because voting is is so important for this whole thing to work, and and I'm, I'm glad to hear that too. Um, so for folks, uh, for folks who can't memorize, you know what all the excuses are. Those are on the absentee request form. Uh, there's actually some forms that have you know separate absentee request, and they have the separate mail-in request. Some have it together, so you can see them all together. Um, you know, we put out some forms too to help some folks, uh, especially electronically, so you're not selecting too many or whatever it might be and confusing which one you're getting. Uh, but those excuses are out there, and I can put a link too so that you don't have to memorize any of them. You can read them from the comfort of your home or on your cell phone and figure out which one would apply to you. Um, the difference, I just want to stress, so the difference with the absentee and the mail-in, um, it, it's it's definitely in, I mean, especially in the delivery systems so that folks aren't making that mistake. If it is absentee, they can bring it in. They can do it in person. The mail-in, they cannot. Now, you did mention that there are like post office, basically drop boxes that you can use. Is that because if you do drop off a mail-in ballot in those boxes, it is going through the mail before it gets to you. Is that how that's working? Yes. Okay. So just so that people are are still able to drop it in a way that we don't mm -hmm. have to say when they bring it in, hey, you know, sorry, we can't take it, go down the street or something like that. We've tried to make it so that we can uh, – work with the voter and, and give them that option. Yeah. And what I have told people as the main difference between the two of them, because lots of times it gets very confusing. People think they're asking for a mail-in ballot, but they're really asking for an absentee is the big dividing line is, are you picking a reason or are you not picking a reason? If you have picked a reason out of the 
uh, list of them, then you wanted an absentee. Right. If you did not pick a reason, then you got a mail-in ballot. That's the easy way to know what one you picked. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, we've gotten a lot of questions in. This is good. Um, and we've got a couple minutes left. And I've got a cat who has been trying very hard to get in this podcast for the longest time. I've been very, very good at making sure that doesn't happen, but she's still got a couple minutes. But uh, what I do want to close with uh, is what you all think. Um, you know, what's, oh, she made it. Look, she did it. I knew she would do it. But what you all think um, is something that voters really need to know, maybe they don't know right now, or you're seeing like a common kind of issue. But what you want to leave folks in Missouri with in terms of, you know, something to be thinking about for this election, for voting, uh, just, you know, some final thoughts from you all based on the experiences that you're having now and, and from the primary. Shane can go first because I got to go first earlier. There you go. Shane, Shane gets to go first. You got volunteered, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I don't mind because one of the things and we had a press conference today to highlight that mm-hmm. If you are comfortable voting in-person absentee, certainly that's the best way to know that your ballot is being counted as you put it in the tabulation equipment. But one of the reasons that I've really encouraged um, people to consider those options or that no-excuse ballot option is because on Election Day, it's really important that when voters come that they're not – seem to them that there's an unnecessarily long line. And what I mean by that is when people are socially distanced six feet apart, we know some voters are going to arrive at their polling location and think the line is longer than it is. Mm-hmm. And they will become discouraged and say, I can't wait this long or I can't stand this long. And so that's important for voters to know that they have that option to vote prior to election day. Because you know, as I said to the press conference today, We know that Election Day is going to have the highest amount of voters for the November 3rd election. But we also know in this election we're going to have the highest number of voters vote prior to the day of the election than we've ever had here in Greene County. And our goal is to get at least 30 percent of the voters to vote prior to Election Day. And then we have a much better opportunity for the Election Day experience for the voters to be one that can be well-managed, not only on their behalf, but also on the election judges' behalf that are there serving them that day. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we want to continue to just remind people of, is that if you have that option, you qualify for a reason, or you're interested in that no-excuse mail ballot option, we're certainly not discouraging that on behalf of the voter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brianna, now it's your turn. I'm volunteering you. <laughs> um- <laughs> Uh, one of the things, and, and kind of like Shane, because this just came up today, that I want to remind people uh, is that the other thing that happens during presidential elections is you're going to get a lot of things in the mail. You're going to get a lot of solicitations. You're going to get a lot of voter information um, from different places. What uh, is important to keep in mind is if you've already requested an absentee ballot or a mail-in, you do not need to send in more than one application. If you receive more in the mail, it is not from one of our offices. <laughs> they are probably from organizations, and that's fine that, that people are doing that because it will ultimately probably pick up some people that didn't vote absentee and maybe wanted to and didn't realize how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have already requested yours, do not send any more forms in uh, because we're already getting a record number of applications, and every application we get we have to vet. So uh 
it's extremely important to be aware that nothing coming out of a local election authority office is going to solicit you to really do anything other than uh, ask us a question or confirm information that you already have. We send out sample ballot mailings that have a list of frequently asked questions. And on the back of it, it does have a form that you could fill out, but it's not a pre-filled out form or anything like that. Uh, it doesn't have any language on it that says, oh, make sure that you send this back in to get your absentee ballot. It's just a for informational purposes only. And it has a big election mail sign on it because everything that comes out of a county clerk or a local election authority office has a big election mail sign on it. So um, be aware that this is an extremely active election and that uh, as a voter, you can empower yourself to have that knowledge that um, go to your local election authority, go to the, the source of trusted information and um, make sure that you're getting good information and if you do have a question, if you see something on social media, you think that it seems a little fishy, you think that there is a problem, call us. We're, I would much rather know that that information is floating around out there mm. and try to correct it. I mm -hmm. spend probably an inordinate amount of time on social media just <laughs> trying to find pieces of bad information to correct so mm -hmm. that people don't spread um, uh, rumors or things like that that can confuse other people. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. You're going to spend too much time with social media. You keep digging. I don't know, but, you know, good luck. <laughs> it's a fool's errand. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Someone's got to do it. You know, you never know what, what gets Can retweeted. Can I add in there that if you request an absentee ballot and you decide you want to come in, we have this happen today, uh -huh. to get the ballot and then come in and surrender it and vote absentee in person, we've already had that happen because people are worried about the postal service. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, if once you've made that request, you're going to need to receive that ballot before um, and then bring that in with you and we'll allow you to vote in person and we'll spoil that ballot. Okay, so if, the, if you have the ballot, you haven't voted yet, you're worried you're not going to be able to get it in time, bring that with you so that it can be surrendered or spoiled and then that way you can still vote. What happens, what happens if you, um, I guess if you've sent it in, you're, are you done at that point? If we've received it and it's checked in, yeah, you don't get another shot. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. That's your vote. Yeah. And at that point, we've already received it, so you don't have to worry about that's it. You know that we have it. Right. What What happens if it's not received? We, we, we do have an affidavit the voter can fill out, uh -huh. and then we'll verify that another ballot was not sent in even on their behalf. But there is that option, for example, um, if they're concerned. But, again, we don't advertise yeah. that. Um, because we, we want to make sure we can account. But we do try to resolve that on election day for a voter mm -hmm. if it occurs. Right. But, we, but it is always best for them to have that ballot and surrender that ballot. Yeah. And you won't have any of those problems, folks, if you do it early. Correct. Then you'll be fine. <laughs> well, uh, Brianna Shane, thank you both for coming on. This was great. And I, I think it was very informational for folks. Uh, we will have this up on the site, too, for folks to get to watch again. And in uh, a few days, we'll be releasing this as an audio podcast, too. So um, hopefully we'll reach even more people that way. We'll be wherever you all get your podcast. I don't know where that is, but wherever you do, you can get it. So uh, 
thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate uh, all the service you're doing for the people of the state of Missouri. It's very important. And uh, I know it's a crazy time to be doing all this. And I really thank you all for doing it and taking the time today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on the Alad Pod. You can participate in future town halls and see all of our past ones at aladgross.live. You can reach me there too, and I'd love to hear your ideas. For now, this is Alad Gross, and I'll see you on the next Alad Pod. Thank you.